0: Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or co-worker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity, so let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Hello, and welcome to Save Your Sanity, Help for Toxic Relationships. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler, and I'm so glad you're joining me. It's an important topic tonight, how we are unconsciously manipulated by a hijackal's voice, a narcissist's voice, a psychopath's voice, a sociopath's voice, a borderline's voice, a histrionic's voice. And it it just happens where we are not consciously aware of it, and yet after you hear these things, I hope you will recognize what's going on and what's going on within you as a result of hearing this voice. Whether that voice was your parent, a partner, a sibling, somebody in authority over you, whomever it was, all of these things apply now, whether you're in the relationship or out of the relationship, and they'll give you some clues and cues as to why you react to certain things and and you're kind of like in the dark. I don't know why that affected me. But hopefully after this episode, you will be aware of why. Because when we're dealing with hijackles, and that's my word for all these relentlessly difficult people, their deal is to scavenge the relationship for power, status, and control. So one of the things that they do, and they're very good at it, is that they can project their voice, if their idealized self, that means their best self, they're on their best behavior self, their most um, engaging voice, all the way over to their real voice, which is what you're hearing when you are alone at home with them, when nobody's watching and they are not on their idealized self behavior. And so these things trigger us very deeply. And if you had a hijackal parent, and then you attracted and were attracted to a hijackal partner, this may be going on. Or if you didn't have a hijackal parent, maybe it's just going on in this relationship, and you're becoming more and more aware that there's more going on than just the words being said. So I want to clarify that tonight. Um, you know that hijackles are chameleons. They will look at the environment and decide how to fit in. Why? Because if they can decide how to fit in, they can sim- simultaneously decide how to dominate, how to win, how to manipulate, how to take control. And they're always reading the landscape for that. Always, always, always. And they're going to manipulate the perception that people have of them. Now, you may be familiar with Thich Nhat. He was a, a Buddhist monk. He recently passed. And, and he said something that I think bears a lot of thought, much more than we can give it tonight. But he said that Earth, whoops, not supposed to do that. Um, it's a, he said that Earth will be safe when we feel in us enough safety. Earth will be safe when we feel inside ourselves enough safety. And we can never feel that safety when we are with a hijackal or there's a hijackal in our life, right? You can never have that letdown. I'm safe. I don't have to wonder. I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to be hypervigilant. I don't have to be concerned. I don't have to be playing the tape in my head of what will they think, even though I think I've done everything fine, what will they think? So do you feel safe? excuse me, it's always something. <laughs> Do you feel safe in the relationship? Well, I I can't hear you, but I believe I just heard a resounding no, because you can't feel safe in a hijacko relationship. And one of the ways that you pick up on that is through the voice of the person. And <clears throat> there's a lot of voices that rattle you. You know, we call them voices that sound like fingernails on a chalkboard, things that rattle us. And there are things that soothe us. And can the hijackle just do both of them at opportune for themselves times? The voice is very fundamental. So, Um, You may have heard of polyvagal theory, uh, a lot of it written by and developed by Stephen Porges, Um, and he has this concept called neuroception, and what neuroception means is that we detect something's going on without our brain being aware of it. And what we've learned is the body has all of this ability, and you've heard that before. The body is always making sense of the environment, always tuned in, Um, but we in our infinite wisdom sometimes overrule what the body is taking in with our brains. And so neuroception is that we're taking things in, but we're not aware that we did in our brain. And he says that trauma, now this is a big thing, trauma is a chronic disruption of connectedness. That's big, right? Trauma is a chronic disruption of connectedness. So when we're with a hijackal, we are always waiting for the disconnect. We're always waiting to be wrong we're always waiting to have said the wrong thing, to be disapproved of, to be dismissed, to be discounted, to be dis- diminished. So we are always waiting for that disruption in our connectedness. And we're, as humans, we're longing for connectedness. You know, whether you look at the work of Abraham Maslow, or you look at Stephen Porges' work, or m- so many, we have this basic, basic need to connect. Because when we're connected, we can feel safer. We're not just alone. There's not just me against the whole world. There's someone else there. And so there is that basic desire for connectedness. But when you're with a hijackal, are you in any way safe to be connected to them? So think about the relationships that you are in or have been in and ask yourself about that Stephen Porges quote, trauma is a chronic disruption of connectedness. You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop, aren't you? You're just in that thought all the time. Your shoulders are making their way up to your earlobes. You're on hypervigilant and high alert. And that trauma is going to disrupt your connectedness or your hope of ever having solid connectedness with a hijackal. Because you can't. Even if you do everything they ever wanted or asked of you perfectly, it is never enough. You know that. If you do it absolutely what they said they wanted. That instant recognition of equality that that produced, mm -mm, intolerable to them. So they want something different and they have to put you down. So within our neural system, within all our nervous system, our autonomic and sympathetic nervous systems, we have pathways of connection and protection. And which ones are we listening to? Listening. That's where we're going to hear the voice because we're always receiving messages of safety or danger. We're always doing that in the neuroception. Again, detection without awareness. We are not thinking, oh, well, that sounds dangerous. No, we're just taking it in without it going through the brain. It's a body sense, a felt sense, and when you receive cues of safety, you feel this invitation to connect, and it feels welcoming, and it feels safe, and when are you most likely to feel it? Love bombing. Oh, they overstepped. They need you back. They need you back right now. (gasps) They're in danger of losing you. No, they need you back, and so you're going to hear that soothing. You're going to hear that oh, come and connect with me. Um, I'm going to give you cues of safety. Now, if you've been with a hijack for more than a hot minute, you know that that cue of safety is a miscue. You're not safe, but you've been longing to feel safe and connected for so long that that little tiny shred of something that looks, sounds, and feels like connectedness is like, oh, Oh, I need that. I need that. And so you take way less than is healthy and make it into enough to keep you going. I've done other episodes on taking breadcrumbs of love and thinking it's a full meal deal. Well, that's what hijackals specialize in. They are going to give you just enough to keep you all right, but they will never feed you and nurture you and nourish you with the love. And here we have it again, that you're longing to receive cues that you're safe. They read that, they give you some. And because you're not distinguishing it, because you're so hungry for it, you think you really got a full meal. But you didn't. You got just enough to keep the relationship hopefully alive. And I mean hopefully alive. They're just hoping that you would keep it alive. And you buy into the hope. So we have this love bombing thing where as soon as they are afraid that they're losing their supply, that would be you, and they don't want to go and have to find another customer, another supply source, So they very quickly backpedal into love bombing. Let me give you cues of safety. Give you cues of of inviting you into my world. Give you cues that you are important to me. And they know you so well. They know exactly what to say. They know what those cues are that will get them the response because they have been calibrating that the entire time from the moment they laid eyes on you. So they know that so those cues of safety are very compelling, but the cues of danger, when we get cues of danger, and if you've been with the hijacker for long, you know those ones, that that increases your reactivity, and it reinforces your drive to survive. You know, oh, danger, danger, I've, I've got to pull back, I've got to um, be quiet, I've got to make myself small, I have to... Um, remove myself. I have to become invisible. And all of these cues that I'm talking about in this episode are ones that will come in the voice and in the facial expression and the movements of their heads. And you may never have realized these things, but they're kind of a code. Once you realize them and you start looking at them from a little bit of a distance after this episode, you realize it's kind of a code that you can read before they open their mouths. And then you can confirm it by what they say when they do open their mouths. And it's happening all the time when you're with a hijacker. You know you can't be good enough. You know you can never do anything right. You know everything is your fault. You know all those things. They're going to blow everything out of proportion. They're going to engage in all-or-nothing thinking. They are going to find fault. All of that. Now, this is all happening kind of without our consent, because our body is taking it all in, and we didn't think, oh, well, let's Let's give a consent and pay attention to this. I hope you will after this episode, but you weren't thinking that perhaps until then. And the brain has within it five cranial nerves that join to connect our eyes and our ears, our voice, our face, and the movement of our head. Five cranial nerves that are are giving those messages and receiving those messages And our voice then is offering rhythm. Sometimes we call it cadence, sound, frequency, vibration, intensity. And then there's the intent of the words that are actually chosen. And are those words, the movement of the head, the um, ability to listen and hear, the eyes seeing them and them seeing you? Do you recognize how you pick all that up and you basically know the body knows what's up? It's important to see that because you want to know are the signals that I'm actually getting, not the ones that I hope I'm getting, the signals I'm getting from a hijackal, are they welcome or watch out? Now you're probably picking that up from the moment that they walk into the house. You are on high alert. You know, even before your brain is engaged. But when you engage your brain, and it's involved in fear, it starts to override what your body's telling you. So think about this: when you, if it's a partner that you have, is a hijacker. Did you really pick up on some red flags and things in the beginning? Did you go, oh, I don't like that very much. Oh, they did it again. And then your brain immediately swooped in and said, oh, they're under stress. They're overtired. They're this, they're that, the other thing. So your body took in the right thing, the accurate thing. And then you used your brain to make your body wrong or to diminish the importance of what your body took in. And then you make excuses for hijackles, right? Instead of going, oh, that was a blow. I get it. I should run. Oh, no. Your brain starts to rationalize and justify and enable and diminish what you know from your body system and try and decide that you can think it through. Because you don't want to know what you know. Because then you'd have to do something about it and you may not know what to do, which is why you're listening to the podcast. I want to help you with that. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please do consider um, supporting it. You can go to patreon.com slash save your sanity. Patreon.com slash You can make a one time donation or a monthly donation, all your choice. And I really do appreciate it. It's a nice vote of confidence in keeping the podcast going. So, patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. And if what you're hearing today makes you want to talk to me, know that you can go to beaclient.com and use my new client one time opportunity to have a full hour with me. For only 97 US dollars at beaclient.com. So we're taking in all this information. We've trained ourselves, and if we had a hijackable parent, we trained ourselves very early to deny all of that and to engage our head because we had to, to survive. So we're rationalizing, making excuses, justifying, um, enabling, diminishing our own understanding in favor of, oh, they must be right it's exhausting. It's absolutely exhausting. So when we really come to the research, we find out that tone of voice, just the tone of voice, can totally dysregulate your nervous system. Have you had that experience where everything's going well and then all of a sudden you're on high alert because the hijackal got that tone in their voice. It crept in. You thought you were having a nice conversation with them, and all of a sudden, things are definitely going sideways. That's you picking up those signals. Don't deny them. Believe them. Trust your body. It knows. And if you've been denying your body for a long time, let's work together to bring it back on board and work for you so very important. So how does this connect if you had a hijackal parent? Well, what you heard as a child, long before you knew what the words meant, went deeply into you, deeply into you, and you understood it as a connection to what you hear in another person's voice and what it means. Am I safe? Am I not safe? Do they like me? Do they not like me? Uh, Am I going to be threatened? Am I being threatened right now? Uh, Is something changing? All of those things are picked up before we even have language. And when you're in a hijackal home, the children are picking it up. And they're not going to trust their bodies either. So it's important stuff to learn in this episode. Um, There are things that you also pick up besides the tone of voice. And the tone of voice is so telling because you've been listening to your mother's voice even while you were in the womb, and perhaps your father's voice too. So you have that already happening for you. You started even pre-birth with that. So you are attuned to those sounds. You're attuned to those frequencies And there's a lot of evidence that when you're arguing or being abandoned or being abused while you're still pregnant, the baby is being affected by all of that. So think of that tone of voice. What were you hearing before you arrived? You know, I often share with you things from my life. Well, what I'm sure I was hearing when I was in the womb was the big fight that started it all, which was my father wanted a child and my mother didn't. And there were people on both parties' sides one <laughs> saying, you know, you can't force a woman to have a baby and you shouldn't because it won't be a happy situation. And the other side saying that that's what you signed up for, to have children. So there was a lot of arguing, I'm sure, when I was very small because there was a lot of arguing for the rest of my life. And you take it in you just take it in. It's normal. That's what it's like there. But even though the tone of voice startles you, it scares you, it makes you feel unsafe, it makes you second guess yourself. And then what happens when you hear that same tone of voice as you get into more adult relationships? So it's very, very clear. And then there are other signs and signals. Think about your hijackle. When the hijackal really wants to impress something on you, how absolutely wrong you are, or how absolutely out of line you are, the hijackal does not move their head. They will keep their head absolutely still as if to drive into you with their eyes. That's a sign of danger. When people tilt their heads a little bit, move their heads a little bit, that is a sign of welcoming to the body. But just think about that difference. How sensitive you may be that you don't even realize how your body's protecting you, how sensitive you may be to that moment when the hijacker puts their head on straight and just keeps it there, absolutely still. And then it comes with the narrowing of the eyes, perhaps, and the, who do you think you are? That whole behavior. And the body takes that in. So important. So the straight head danger, the slight tilt and movement as you're talking, safety, because you're in training with the other person, you're imprinting with the other person, and they with you. So you feel connected. And Somebody nods their head all the time. That's a sign to us that it sends a message of connectedness. However, hijackles are really good at sending that message and not meaning it at all. So they'll go, yeah, you are worthless. Yeah, I don't know why I'm with you. I just absolutely think that you are... The worst thing ever. And they're nodding. And you are subliminally picking that up as though, though they're saying yes to you. All of these things are really worth it. You know, when I work with, with my individual clients, we take all this apart when needed. Not everybody needs it, but we take it all apart so that you can get really wise in the process So this whole idea of neuroception, I want to go back to it because it's taking in information without thinking. I don't have to say, what does that mean? I have experienced it my whole life and I've come to know what it means and I'm taking it in and making sense of it without having to think about it. So that's something we have to learn is to self-regulate well. They want to dysregulate us And we have to be able to regulate ourselves. So in the face of the hijackal, we're going, "Uh -uh." that's not going to fly. I mean, we're not saying that out loud because we don't poke hijackals, right? But we're saying to ourselves, "Mm, I see that. I see that straight head. You want me to be afraid. You want me to be very afraid. So I'll just excuse myself if I possibly can. I have to go and look after the children or do something. Now we all know that when you're with a hijacker leaving even a room or a conversation is not a safe thing to do. But you will have had the cue that this straight on head with the intense eyes <clears throat> is intended to intimidate you and it could be trouble brewing. So it can be something that you can bring into consciousness and say I know what that means. If you don't do that, hijackers will take advantage of you. They will. They'll run right over you. And you may have had that experience, but I want you to be wiser and wiser in recognizing what's happening and knowing what to do with it. I don't know if you've ever experienced the wonderful essayist and poet, John O'Donohue. Wonderful, wonderful things to read and reread. He's passed, but his work really lives on. And he said this, our bodies know they belong. It's our minds that make our lives go homeless. Our bodies know we really belong. It's our minds that make our lives so homeless. So we want to come back to ourselves, come back to building a sense of self Come back to trusting the innate information your body is taking in and not refuting it with your head. Doesn't that sound powerful? It does because it is powerful. And neuroception, as I said before, you're picking up messages of connectivity or danger, connection or a need for protection, welcoming or danger. And our minds will really work over time to disagree with what we're taking in with our bodies. Again, that whole thing about rationalizing and minimizing and um, uh, justifying and making excuses for someone or using enabling. And you know, if you've been here a while, my definition of enabling is when you usually or frequently Jump in to fix or solve or rationalize or justify or make the consequences go away for the poor choices of another person. And you don't want to be enabling, but you may have learned to be an enabler because you didn't have the skills to not be. Know that you can learn those skills and practice them. And I wanted to bring this topic to you because the more that we know, the more that we can change. And the more that we learn about ourselves or the way that we've been brought up or the things that we've adopted, adapted or inherited from our family are all for us to have a look at and say, do I want this? Where did I get it? I maybe don't want it. I maybe not believe it. I maybe feel unsafe with it. And one of the things that the hijackal will use is their voice in order to manipulate that. So I'll leave you with a Rumi quote. Rumi said, there is a voice that doesn't use words, so listen. And when you start picking up the cues and clues of a hijackal and using those five cranial nerves that all come together in our head to give us information that is not coming from our thinking about it, then we realize the cues that we're getting from eyes and ears and voice and movement. All of that can play a part in getting us safer or keeping us unsafe. So this may be the beginning of a new thought for you to start looking at that hijackle, or if they're in your rearview mirror looking at what was it that went on, and to realize that you can get very much information in your body, and you have to believe it. That's where the thing falls apart. You get all that information, but you don't believe it. You want to send it upstairs to the brain and rationalize and justify and make excuses. Or take that horrible road and become an enabler. And you'll feel terrible. You'll feel terrible about yourself. You'll feel downtrodden, difficult. It's exhausting. You don't want that either. So I hope this has opened your eyes to a few things. If you're not ready to work with me one-on-one, I invite you to join my Emerging Empowered community. Go to joinintoday.com. You find lots of discussion forums there for different stages of your journey. I'm in and out of there. People are talking all the time. There are three opportunities a month to be online in a group with me for members only. And we have a new journal feature that's rolling out just now. So it will soon be available for everybody. So, until we speak again, take very good care of yourself because you're precious and your body knows things and you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Savior Sanity Podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights.